Another episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. I am Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs. It is finally here. The last episode of the pod before the Super Bowl. Of course, after the Super Bowl, we will still have some shows in which we look back at 2018 and look ahead to 2019. Last episode, Sean Corner and I looked at our favorite Super Bowl 53 props. It was Propapalooza for this episode, sponsored, by the way, by Audible and Mac Weldon. We are breaking down the Super Bowl from a sports betting and daily fantasy perspective. And joining me is none other than Chris Raybon, a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of I'll Take That Bet on ESPN+. Chris, it has been a couple of weeks. How are you doing? I am doing good. I actually uh, got to see all the guys record the Favorites podcast live a couple of days ago, so that was fun. So uh, they all say hi, and uh, excited to get back at it with you. Yeah. Don't mention those people, because we have a rivalry with them. It's this podcast versus that podcast, and uh, I feel betrayed that you would even attend the live recording of that podcast, but whatever. They're, they're good guys. They're, they're in the company. I mean, I feel like I feel like we need a live podcast. Like, why, why Chad Millman and Jeff Schwartz and Paul Aduka and like, who are they? Like, can, yeah, who who are these we guys? Need, we're we're carrying this thing. Like, yes, exactly. Come on. Uh, okay, I should mention that at the end of the show, Chris is going to run through a uh, a few of his favorite Super Bowl props. Speaking of which, in the Action Network app, we have some Super Bowl prop contests which are free to participate in with thousands of dollars in prizes paid out to multiple winners. To get in the contest, go to myaction.app slash podcontest45. That is myaction.app slash podcontest45. And of course, you can follow Chris in the Action Network app at Chris Raybon. You can use the app also to get real-time NFL odds and to track your bets. Chris, let's jump into it. It's the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 53 very excited for this matchup. I, I think some people maybe weren't as excited about this matchup when, you know, the conference championships were over, but I think it's going to be good. Kickoff is at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. We have the Rams and the Patriots. Patriots favored by two and a half, a 56.5 over under. The spread opened at Rams minus one or a pick at most books. Very quickly, it moved to Patriots minus two and now two and a half. And it's been sitting at the two and a half for about 10 days. Uh, I should say we were recording this on Wednesday. The over-under opened at 58.5 and, and has been bet down to 56.5. 78% of the tickets, 79% of the money is on the Patriots. But most books have not yet tested minus three to see if they get Rams money. Maybe they are all waiting till later in the week to go to minus three. But right now, it looks as if Vegas and the sports books are fine with needing the Rams and generally books try to avoid being at, in that position of needing a side in such a high volume game. So that is something that is notable on the favorites podcast, the uh, aforementioned favorites podcast. Bob Scucci said that their numbers uh, had the Rams at minus one, which is why they opened there. Our power rankings also have the Rams at minus one. So it seems that there is value on Los Angeles. Almost all of the sharp people I know are just waiting to bet on the Rams at plus three. And we can talk about that later. 48% of the tickets, 54% of the money is on the under, which seems to be where the Sharps have landed. We have the Pats 
in their ninth Super Bowl of the Brady-Belichick era, their third in three years. The Rams have fully emerged from the Jeff Fisher era under head coach Sean McVay, who in two years with the team has transformed it into one of the best in the league. There is so much to talk about with this game. Chris, what should we talk about first? Well, I think we got to go, because especially with these coaching matchups, um, you know, Wade Phillips versus Josh McDaniels and, and Belichick and versus Sean McVay. I think we got to start, you know, we got to break down each team's offense versus the defense and kind of figure out what these coaches are going to do. So let's start with the the Rams offense. And of course, I think you have to start with the quarterback and Jared Goff here because he struggles versus man coverage. Ian Harditz of the Action Network actually tweeted out a stat that in nine games uh, for Goff versus teams that play, you know, zone defense at a top 12 rate, Goff is averaging 8.5 yards per attempt. But then in five games where Goff has faced a team that is top 12 in man coverage rate, he drops to 6.9 yards per attempt. So night and day for Goff, you know, when he's playing man and the Patriots, they play a ton of man. And the reason is they have a lot of guys that can cover when you talk about Stephon Gilmore, JC Jackson has looked really strong. You still have both McCourty. So great secondary for New England. So I think that's a concern for Jared Goff. And then you start to look at the Cooper Cup splits, which I think are Kind of, it kind of relates a little bit, but with Cooper Cup, the Rams have a 54% success rate. Without Cup, that drops to 48%. So that 54%, that's a, that's third. That 48%, that's middle of the pack. That's 13. Right. Another concern for him. And then it, it's not even that. It doesn't even stop there. Under pressure, Goff with Cup, 77.7 passer rating. Without Cup. 46.8 passer rating under pressure for Jared Goff, just 4.85 yards per attempt for Goff without Cup under pressure. That is going to be huge. I think that Bill Belichick is going to look at this, and I think he is going to bring a, a, a few more blitzes than than he would normally bring. Like, what do you think? Like, how do you think Belichick is going to look at Jared Goff in this game? Yeah, that's a really good question. I honestly have no idea because Belichick. He does so many different things. And and I was listening to uh, a podcast talking about how Belichick basically uses the first half of the season to experiment with what he does defensively so that later in the season, whenever they need to kind of have multiple looks and kind of even change within a game what it is that they are doing, they have already done it in games before. And so I think that is what we should expect to see. We should expect to see a lot of different looks, basically like everything that has been in the Patriots repertoire up to this point in the season, like we are going to see snippets, I think, of all of that in this game to give Goff as many different looks as possible because he's still a young quarterback. And, you know, I think there's the the possibility almost to overwhelm him with different looks along the front line and then, you know, different zone coverages. I mean, I'm with you. I will be interested to see what Belichick does defensively to try to get Goff out of his rhythm. But as you mentioned, just kind of their default for the Patriots is to run man coverage. And that is where Goff has struggled. So I think we should assume that most of the time we're going to see that. But I still think there will be a lot of different looks intermingled in there to throw Goff off. Absolutely. And, you know, just going back to that. So with Cup in the lineup, you know, Goff 
2.67 uh, seconds to throw. And then with Cup out, that jumps up to 2.76. So he's holding the ball a, a little bit more. The play action pass game hasn't been as successful for him either without Cup. You know, with Cup in the lineup, 38.5% of his throws were play action, and he averaged a league high 11.6 yards per attempt on play action when Cup was there. And that's because Cup, you know, running underneath routes, that just kind of opens up everything else you can do as well. And I think with Reynolds is a whole different kind of receiver, and it kind of changes things up a little. You could pay more attention to Wood. So, um, you know. In, the- in some way, and, and this isn't exactly accurate, but, like, Cooks and Woods and Cup all have different overlapping skill sets. Like each of them have their own strengths, but each of those guys could play in the slot if needed. Each of those guys can play out wide if needed. And Reynolds really isn't that type of receiver. So it makes the offense less multidimensional. So that is one thing that the absence of of Cooper Cup, even if you don't think that he's a great slot receiver or a great athlete in general, his presence on the field enables the offense just to do more things absolutely so yeah let's talk about cooks and woods because i think that this is another fascinating kind of what will belichick do thing and i think it starts with with stefan gilmore because he has been just amazing this season according to pro football focus he's been targeted a hundred times has given up 44 catches 94 yards after the catch all season yeah 100 targets and he's been doing a lot of it on an island he has had very little help on what he's been doing he's yeah as you mentioned he's just he's been impressive like he had 18 pass breakups during the regular season that was first in the league no one else had more than 13 like he has been a straight monster and what's crazy is when he he's gone he's played in the slot a little bit and even in the slot only 13 of 26 completions and a 57.1 passer rating allowed. So he hasn't fallen off at all, even when he's moved inside. So whether it's Woods, and I think I think that he's going to end up following Woods around a lot. That's just my hunch. I think that because he's now going into the slot and Woods is a guy that will go into the slot, I think what Belichick will likely do is something similar to what he did against Tyreek Hill. You had guys like J.C. Jackson, Crossan, and those guys kind of on hill, safety help over the top at all times. McCourty was on him some. And you're essentially doubling, you know, that kind of guy, that, that the speed guy in every play. So I think he might do that with Cooks. Trust Gilmore to follow Woods around, whether it's inside or outside. And then Reynolds will be the guy that will be most often kind of singled up. So, yeah. like, I, I think that's kind of where what Belichick will kind of lean on the most and you know it's if you look at what the Patriots have done down the stretch so they had a bye late in the year you know they come back in week 12 and they faced quite a few duos that you could you could say are pretty elite I mean they faced Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs those guys did nothing against against the Patriots I mean you know Diggs had five catches uh, 49 yards and Thielen was, uh, I don't have his exact numbers in front of me, but it was it was just bad for him as well. I think he scored a touchdown, but the yardage was not there at all. Then yeah. you had Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown. And Antonio went four for 49 and a touch. Juju went four for 40. So, And then you go to the playoffs and you have Keenan Allen gets two catches. Yes, he gets uh, one, of the, one on a big play, but, you know, two catches, 75 yards. You have Mike Williams, five of 11 for 68 yards, you know, another, you know, stop in the one, two. And then you go to the Chiefs game, Kelsey, three catches, 23 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill, three targets, one catch, 
42 yeah. yards. So and, and Watkins got his in that mm-hmm. game, but I mean, if, if you had to, if you're the Patriots and you're thinking which one of these guys are we going to allow production to, it would be Watkins out of those three. Right, and in this situation, it's like Watkins is. If you're kind of comparing, you know, who would be who, Watkins is obviously a lot better than than Josh Reynolds, and so yeah, you, you're not even he's not even going to be as much as a threat. So what the Patriots have been able to do against top guys is impressive. I think that they are going to be able to kind of limit these Rams receivers more so than uh, in most teams that we've seen this year. And that kind of leads me to, okay, well, what are the Rams going to do? They're going to have to attack these linebackers for the Patriots, you know, Kyle Van Noy, Landon Roberts, Dante Hightower, Hightower allowing 115.4 passer rating per PFF. Van Noy's up there at 100.2 and, uh, and Roberts is at 98.7. So I think yeah. those are the guys that you want to attack. I think we're going to have to see, you know, Todd Gurley, like what, where, where are you on, you know, Todd Gurley, CJ Anderson and that whole split. Yeah, I think Gurley is going to get more of the action than he's gotten in the past two games. The thing that I'm thinking about with this matchup, specifically with New England's defense, they've been playing more dime recently Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of limit the exposure of those linebackers who, like they know, they're just not good in coverage. You have Harmon playing at free safety, and you have Chung playing as, as the dime backer there. And at this point, when Hightower is still on the field in that formation, they're using him basically as, as a pass rusher. It's kind of like this interesting hybrid approach that they have. So I don't even know how often when the Rams are in three receiver sets and they use that as their base formation, you know, like 90% of the time mm-hmm. um, when they are in those sets, I don't even know how much opportunity they're really going to get to attack the Patriots linebackers because they're just like the guys who are the massive liability aren't out there to the extent that they had been previously in the year. So yeah, I I'm interested in that. I mean, I have to tell you, like if I didn't know that at this point, like the books basically are betting on the Rams, I would be really tempted to take the (laughs) Patriots because, because like, I don't see the Rams being as good as the chiefs were, you know, like they don't have the weapons like Tyreek Hill is better than Brandon Cooks. You know, Woods is playing, uh, Woods in the slot is kind of like a lesser version. I know it's not really the same thing, but a lesser version of Kelsey, who basically plays as a, a, a big bodied slot receiver. Watkins is better than Reynolds. You know, like I just, and Mahomes is better than Goff. Damian Williams, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to say that he's better than Gurley, but like we don't, we just, we kind of don't know what we're going to get out of Gurley. And Williams has been a productive back when he's been out there. So like the Patriots were able to find a way to at least, I mean, they didn't shut down that Kansas City offense, but they came pretty close to doing it for three quarters before just giving up a whole bunch of points in the fourth quarter. And we could see something like that here. But like, I was impressed by what I saw out of the Patriots defense in that game. And I don't know how the Rams are going to do a better job than what Kansas City did two weeks ago. You know what I mean? I do. And I'm actually glad you brought that up because that leads me right into what I think is going to have to be Sean McVay's trump card here. Like, I think I've thought about this a lot. And I think there's one thing that Sean McVay can do to kind of slow all this down. Because what's crazy about Gilmore, too, is that he actually started covering Kelsey in in the second half of that game. So, like, that was another reason they were using so much dime was uh, to get a corner on Kelsey because they had JC Jackson on him, too. So here's what I think that Sean McVay needs to do. 
we know you kind of mentioned it. The Rams are a predominantly three wide receiver, one tight end, one running back team. They ran that personnel for the season at a rate of 89%. They only ran two tight end looks on 8% of their offensive snaps. However, lo and behold, last week, that number jumped up to 25%. I think that Sean McVay is going to look at this matchup and kind of look at everything we just said, how good the New England secondary has been, how well they match up in man coverage, but how exploitable their linebackers are. And he's going to say, I need to keep this team in base defense yeah, at all times, whether I'm throwing or whether I'm running. Because number one, to beat the Patriots, the the five teams that have beat the Patriots this year, they've been able to run all over them. 152-yard average and 88 yards on 6.8 yards per carry in the first half. So it's not just like a game trip. Right. I think what they need to do, I think what they're going to do is that they're going to use Gurley and Anderson, one-two personnel, Higby and Everett on the field for a ton of snaps. I think Reynolds is going to play fewer snaps, and I think that they're going to attack, try to attack up the middle because that's where uh, the Patriots were, were weakest. They were 27th in adjusted line yards, 4.91, up the middle according to football outsiders. And I, so I think that you're going to use C.J. Anderson with that, and I think you're going to get Gurley in the pass game on these linebackers. And I think you're going to get Higby and Everett as well. And I think Everett actually may be a key player in this game because he yeah. has some explosive an explosive element to his game. And we saw him rumble uh, against the Saints for a, for a big game in the clutch. So I think that, I think that that's how McVeigh's going to do it. Like, what do you think? Like, what do you think? Do you think, how likely do you think it is that McVeigh, that this is like the highest two tight end personnel percentage for the Rams of the season in the, this week in the Super Bowl? That's a good point. It wouldn't surprise me because, it, as you mentioned, that would really counteract what the Patriots want to do defensively, and that is to have their best 11 players on the field. And that means that they have to be heavy at defensive back. But if they do that, they cannot defend the run the, the, the way that they probably need to. So they – I mean, actually, it is a good question. Would they just sacrifice the run? That is something that I could see Belichick doing. Just, you know, if the Rams want to run the ball – letting them run the ball and still playing against the pass first, because I mean, that's kind of the smarter way to do it. I think that he would think about it, but the Rams are so good running. Like this is not just like a team that's like a so-so running team that you let run because you know, at some point they're going to have to pass. Like this is, this is the best running team. This is the best run blocking offensive line. So I yeah. don't know that he's going to want to and, – and I don't think he's going to want to let them kind of play ball control either. So I, I think he actually is going to have to kind of, you know, match their personnel. And it's going to come down to execution. I think that's what's – every time we've seen the Patriots in a Super Bowl, it's, it's been a close game. And I think one of the reasons is when you have two weeks to prepare and you're kind of – it's like I have this theory. It's like it's like steel sharp and steel. It's like when you're watching and game planning for Belichick for two weeks, you have no choice but to get better and kind of – and so it kind of ends up being less about some of these coaching things and strategic tactics and just about execution. Because I think at the end of the day, I don't think you can let the way the Rams have been running with CJ Anderson. I don't think you can let them just start just running for four or five yards every time. I think one of the underrated things that Belichick did actually though, against Kansas city, you kind of hit it. Like he had an amazing game plan against Kansas city, not only against the pass, but 
New England was really struggling up the middle. And so what he did was he took Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers played a season high 27 snaps at defensive tackle. And he is one of their better run defenders. And so what that did was that allowed uh, John Simon now to play more snaps at defensive end. And he has an 81.1 run defensive rating from pro football focus. So I don't think it will be quite as easy for the Rams to run, but I think Anderson, Gurley, Higby, Everett are going to are going to be like the major guys in this game. I don't think you're going to see a big game from from Cooks or, or Woods. Hmm. All right. Any more to touch on when it comes to the Rams offense versus uh, New England defense? Um, you know, oh, just real quick, you know, since I know there's going to be all the chatter about Todd Gurley versus Anderson and like Anderson really has outplayed Gurley since he joined the the team. If you yeah. look at if you look at some of the the numbers, I think the yards, uh, the yards after contact really kind of tell the story because Anderson is was averaging only 2.54 yards after contact w- with Carolina, according to PFF. But when he comes to the Rams, all of a sudden, you know, that jumps way up and that's it. And all of a sudden it's over. 6.4, 2.96, 2.96, and 2.1 in the four in the four games. So he's declining, but he's been getting more yards after contact than Gurley. However, every game it seems like Anderson his yards per carry has gone down from the previous game. His yards after contact has gone down from the previous game. His PFF rating has gone down from the previous game. Like I wonder, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. He's he's a, he looks bigger than he did earlier i wonder if he's wearing down a little after all those you know 20 kind of like out of nowhere yeah i mean he he came in with fresh <laughs> legs you know because right. he hadn't been used for almost the entire season now it, w- it would make sense that if he's not as conditioned as he had been previously and he's been used heavily it would make sense for him to be wearing down yeah and and at the same time Gurley hasn't been quite right either because so for this season his overall pff grade and the reason I'm looking at PFF grades is I'm just trying we, – we can obviously look at the, the raw numbers, but I'm trying to get a sense of just like is there really something to him not playing as well, right? So his PFF grade for the season overall, 77.7, but he has not earned a grade above 70 since week eight Yeah, in any game. And he bottomed out at 45.3 last week. So he – Gurley has just not been playing – well, the numbers were there for most of the regular season, but he did see a, a reduction in workload even before Anderson came. So he has been getting outplayed, and that is really why uh, Sean McVay has turned away from him. But again, in this game, I think you're going to see a ton of Tiger. All right, we're going to talk about the Patriots offense and the Rams defense right after I talk about Audible. There's never been a better time to start listening than right now on Audible. With Audible, you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, and now with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even more custom with content made for members. Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot. What is your favorite book? Of all time, it would have to be Anti-Fragile by Nassim Tlaib. Okay, well, you know what? I'm sure it is on Audible because everything is on Audible. Audible members can choose three titles every month, one audiobook, and two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Audible members also get access to exclusive audio fitness programs to start the new year off on the right foot. You can listen on any device, anytime, anywhere, at home, at the gym, on your commute, or just on the go. You'll also enjoy easy audiobook exchanges, rollover credits, and an audiobook library you can keep forever, even if you cancel. 
Audible, the most inspiring minds, the most compelling stories, the best place to listen. Get started with a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash action or text action to 500-500 and listen for a change. That is audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash action or text action, A-C-T-I-O-N to 500-500. Okay, Chris, talk to me about this Patriots offense versus the Rams defense. With the Patriots, I think what you have to start with is Tom Brady versus interior pressure. Because so I think Ryan Collins wrote a few weeks ago when they were playing the Chargers, you know, did an article talking about how Brady has struggled under pressure this year. He's down to his passer ratings down to 21st in the league after he finished number one a year ago. But where those struggles have really manifested themselves is interior pressure. Edge pressure hasn't really done anything to Brady. 118.7 passer rating, but interior 63.1, and that's per NFL research. And so the Rams defense, and this is kind of where it flips because you kind of you kind of hit on it. It's hard to get behind the Rams at all when you just talk about their offense going against the Patriots. But it's it's a little bit of the same story coming back the other way because the Rams defense leads the NFL in interior pressure rate at 16.6 percent. Aaron Donald led the NFL with 106 pressures led the NFL with 21 sacks, his 20 quarterback hits tied for third, tied for uh, eighth with 50 stops. Like Aaron Donald is a force in the middle, in the interior. You also have Endomican Sue. When you have interior pressure, it's tough to, to scheme around it because it's just, it's simply, you know, if the pocket's breaking down from right in front of you, you can't step up into the pocket. You know, Tom Brady, not a, a, a very mobile guy. So I don't know how, like if they're going to move the pocket or do any bootlegs or anything like that, but he's been making a living just getting the ball out really quickly in the postseason. you know, pro football focus has him on at 2.18 seconds to throw, which is extremely fast on average. So, uh, you know, I think the interior pressure if the Rams can get there, I think that you're going to see Brady, you know, look mortal. And that's kind of what's been the story for teams that have beat him in the Super Bowl. You had the Giants a couple of times with just putting their four best pass rushers on the field. So they got some, they got pressure not only on the edge, but on the inside. And then you had the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, they had Fletcher Cox. And so, you know, they were able to kind of cause some disruption as well. So I think that's really going to be the key to slowing down Tom Brady. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Where he has struggled is the interior pressure. For me, I'm interested in how I mean how these pass catchers are going to match up and how important that might be in the game, like whether that will actually kind of matter or not. Like will the Patriots look to kind of neutralize the effectiveness of the interior pass rush and of the uh the coverage by just running the ball and uh doing the quick passes to James White? You know, do they basically have the game plan that we've seen them have in previous weeks? Because I do think that Donald and Sue can probably get to Brady. Fowler is a wild card. You know, like he's Mm – some some games he's great and then some games he's not. And so we just – we kind of don't know. But uh, if he's on his game, he could really complement what Donald and Sue are doing in the interior. And then Roby Coleman has been good in the slot as a defender this year. So, like, Roby Coleman against Edelman – Edelman will still be productive, but I think Roby Coleman could be good enough, you know, just to win enough, enough of the matchups to, you know, turn some of those third downs into fourth downs instead of first downs. 
Tlaib, I think, is really important. I don't know how they're going to use him. I could see him actually matching up a little bit with Gronk sometimes. But even if that doesn't happen, I think Joyner and Johnson as the the safeties who would be covering Gronk, I think both of them are pretty good. And, you know, I think it's possible that Gronk could kind of have like a, uh, a hashtag retirement, you know, game type of one final peak performance. But like he's, he's not the Gronk that he was last year, you know, and, and last year's Gronk wasn't even the guy he had been the year before that. So it's hard to know really what the Patriots are going to do, but it's hard to say with Brady, like, oh, if they have to throw the ball, this isn't going to be a good situation because they've had enough success in the past throwing the ball to make you believe that they can do it. But I think the negative thing for the Patriots in this game is to have to rely on passing the ball. I think if they have to rely on Gronk and Edelman, I think that really hurts their chances to win. Absolutely. And, you know, the Rams defense, we should probably talk about just how, you know, their run defense, 28th in DVOA during the regular season. And then we get to the postseason and they just flip a switch and, you know, they, they, they alluded to it. You know, I was reading some quotes from, from Wade Phillips and a bunch of the guys, and they were saying how a lot of it was motivation, but also there, you know, Wade Phillips is kind of selling out a little bit more to stop the run. He's putting guys, uh, more defenders in the box uh, on a more frequent basis. And, you know, so the Rams, what they do is they go and they hold the Cowboys to 21 carries for 48 yards. That's 2.3 yards per carry. And then the Saints get uh, 22 carries for 50 yards. That's yeah. uh, that's 2.27. So it's really a night and day switch. And the Patriots, you know, themselves on the other end, they've actually played really good run defense too. Should probably mention that uh, in the postseason as well. But they've only faced 22 carries, so that's gonna that's another thing right. I think is gonna weigh big. I think who, I think whoever wins the toss is definitely receiving. So if you could find a prop one like on, on that, I, I would <laughs> definitely uh, I would definitely bet receiving because. I think both of these teams are going to want to get the ball first and establish control of the game with the run. But it's tough to fully know what Bill Belichick is planning to do. But I do think that you are going to see a lot of that quick passing game to James White. Because, again, Tom Brady has just that's, – that's been his bread and butter. It's been that quick release. And when he releases the ball in under two and a half seconds, his passer rating – is 102.4 when he releases in under 2.5 seconds during the regular season. Then when he releases in over 2.5, it drops all the way to 92.7. So that's about a 10-point uh, 10 drop in passer rating when he's holding on to the ball for, for 2.5 seconds or longer. So I think that you are going to continue to see that that quick game to James White. And I think that the receivers are going to struggle because Akib Tlaib has just been a difference maker. If you look at the numbers – with and without him on the field, they're kind of astonishing. And this is even taking into account the fact that they did play somewhat of an easier schedule when he was in. But overall, with Tlaib in the lineup, the Rams' opponents have hit their implied point total. And this is an assist to your research here. They've hit their implied total in only four of 10 games. They're going under by an average of 2.4 points per game. And that's with Tlaib in the lineup. Now, in the eight games without Tlaib, Opponents have hit their implied point total against the Rams in six of eight, and they've gone over by an average of 7.2. Oh, man. Yeah. Night and day. And and here's an interesting one, too, because I'm sure we'll get to this later, but the over-under. So with Tlaib, the over is only three, six, and one. 
and uh, it's going under by an average of 1.4 points. Without Tlaib, the over five and three, going over by an average of 14.1 points per game. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, he is, a, he is a difference maker. And it's, I mean, for defenses, it's what do you have on the outside to be able to cover guys? And then what type of pressure can you bring? And I think the Rams' defense has it in the right places. Like, I think Tlaib is, is good enough to be able to shut down whoever it is that he's defending. I think Roby Coleman is good enough to be able to limit Edelman enough. And, and I mean, Peters is so inconsistent, but, like, he could have a great game out of nowhere. You know what I mean? He could also get burned for two touchdowns, but, like, he could have a great game. And then they have that interior pass rush. And then, yeah, you've, you've mentioned their defensive coordinator, too. I mean, Wade Phillips, like, I feel conflicted about him as, like, a Cowboys fan. I don't think he was a great head coach. But, like, he's a great defensive coordinator. Like, I think, like, Hall of Fame caliber defensive coordinator. He's, like, one of the few guys who has really proven wherever he's gone to be able to transform a defense. And so as good as Belichick is on the defensive side of the ball, like, I think Wade Phillips is almost as good. He has a lot of players there who are good, and I think he can do a lot of things with them. So for me, it's just a question of like, can they come up with, I mean, you know, the Patriots are going to, on the defensive side of the ball, come up with some way of really trying to neutralize the Rams offense. Can the Rams defense do the same thing? Can they come up with some idea that the Patriots didn't see coming? You know, it's like, oh, uh, you know, who knew that Tlaib was going to be man on man with Edelman the whole game or like, or like whatever it is, but like, can they come up with whatever like that X factor is? that throws enough of a wrench in the machine of the Patriots offense where it slows them down for a couple of series, you know, like, can they make that adjustment? I think they can, because, you know, we talked last week and I mean, my real main reason for being on the Rams at all last week was the fact that I thought Wade Phillips could outcoach Sean Payton, essentially. Like I thought, and I mean, the saints were invisible in the fourth quarter. Like, yes, there was a blown call. There was a 43-yard completion again, which should have been picked and like not even it's not even really an opinion. Like it should have at least been incomplete, if yeah. not picked. And that's that's not even an opinion. Like next gen stats has a they calculate completion probability. Right. Right. And it was yeah. it was a under 40% chance of being complete. I believe it was the lowest of, of the game for Breeze. And besides that, that was 43 of Breeze's 59 yards in the fourth quarter in overtime. Alvin Kamara only one catch for eight yards after the third quarter. And the fact that the way they were defending Kamara actually probably is what helped them luck into that no call in the first place. Because I wrote about this um, in an article entitled, uh, can we stop pretending the Rams don't deserve to be in the Super Bowl? And, you know, it was, if if you look at what happened on that play and Dominican Sue leaks out into the flat, because he thinks he has to like disrupt Kamara in some way. Cause that's what they've been doing. Essentially giving him the Marshall fault treatment realizes that it's, it's not Kamara. It's Tommy Lee Lewis. And like, because he had leaked down to the flat is right in the passing lane makes Drew Brees loft it instead of having a more direct line of flight on the throw to Lewis. And, and because the ball sails all, you know, all hell breaks loose and Roby Coleman somehow beats Lewis to the ball, even though he was clearly beat on the play. And they don't call it, and it's an incompletion, and here we are. So, you know, even when Wade Phillips, you know, isn't directly doing something, you know, his impact is on the game in a number of ways. And I think that 
you know, he's not a guy that's going to come up with crazy wrinkles, but he knows what he has to do to put his guys in, in, in a position to succeed. I think, I think he will uh, do that again. And just going back to Tlaib real quick. I mean, you mentioned Roby Coleman and you mentioned Marcus Peters. And I got more, I got more Tlaib slips for you because Marcus Peters without Tlaib allowed 35 of 47 for 572 yards. That's a 141.4 passer rating. Yeah. Pro football folks. That's yeah. without Tlaib. Right. With Tlaib in the lineup, 24 of 38 for 311, one touchdown, two picks, 75.7 passer rating. Now, the, what's the reason for that? Number one, to, uh, Peters doesn't have to then go in and shadow number one guys because he did that a couple of times. Also, he can, he can play his side and he can play off a little more, you know, and that's where he's really at his best, when he's jumping routes and, and, and being able to play off and he's not really up at the line of scrimmage where um, his kind of aggressive habits will get him into trouble. So, um, and also he doesn't have as much communication responsibility. You know? Right. So, so I, you know, it's night and day. And then Roby Coleman, you know, without Tlaib, he gave up three touchdowns on, on 14 receptions, no interceptions. But, but then when Tlaib is on the field, Roby Coleman, only 27 to 46, 211 yards, one touchdown, one pick, 68.3 passer rating. So, like, Roby Coleman was one of the best corners in the league with Tlaib on the field. Without him, he was just an, a guy who gives up too many touchdowns. So, completely night and day. The Patriots don't really have the receiving talent without Josh Gordon to kind of counteract that. So, I think they're going to kind of be forced to go to James White, Rex Burkhead, um, and Gronkowski, I think, is going to have to make plays as well. And, and and Edelman probably won't have quite as big of a game as he had against the Chiefs because why do you think Bob Sutton got fired? I mean, I mean, it was just they were playing cover two on like key third down plays when Edelman was just running right to the middle of the field. Like you have to play cover one Robert or something like similar to that in that situation and take away that that middle of the field. And they just couldn't do it. The Chiefs couldn't figure out how to um with, with the stack releases, they couldn't figure out how to, how to track Edelman. There was one play where both Chiefs corners like ran with the, I think it was Dorsett or whoever it was, the other receiver and just left Edelman wide open running up across the middle. So I don't think that would happen with, uh, with Roby Coleman and Tlaib, uh, you know, on the field kind of being able to communicate. So I think the Patriots by default almost, you have to expect, I think, a James White game and a, a Burkhead game and, and a Gronk game. Yeah. I mean, we kind of, I wouldn't even say dancing around it, but like, I mean, like one of the big themes that is kind of emerging to me through this conversation is that we both really like the way these defenses stack mm-hmm. up against the offenses. So for me, you know, that lends to the under. And, you know, I see on the, the sheet that we have here, we're both on the same side of this. We both like the Rams at plus three, which some threes are starting to pop up out there. On one book, there's plus three minus 120. But across the industry, for the most part, it's two and a half. Some bookmakers have said that they anticipate they probably will go to three, and it would make sense given the wealth of Patriots money that they have taken so far. But um, yeah, you and I are both right there. We're waiting for the plus three on the Rams, and we're looking under 56 and a half. Yeah, and I think I just want to tell everybody out there, you know, depending on when you listen to this, you know, there might be a plus three available at your book. There might not, but I would recommend that if you're looking to bet on the Rams, and, and I do think that's the sharper side just because, again, you know, you mentioned it, Friedman. We have him as a, a slight favorite. The books had him as a slight favorite. I think it's a toss-up game, and, and you want to take the value here. And I think it's going to be a, a more of a struggle than we think. But what you really want to do is you want to wait until right up until kickoff if you can't find that, uh, that three. Because 
about 15% of all NFL games end with a margin of three, whereas only about 8% combined end with a margin of one or two. And then you look at the Super Bowls, there's only been one Super Bowl in history that has actually been decided by a margin of less than three points, but there have been six Super Bowls that have been decided by exactly three. So you really want to wait till the last minute if you can't find that three, because what's probably going to happen at many books is that there's going to be kind of a, a, a last second, uh, you know, casual recreational bettors tend to, to lay their wages closer to the game time. And we see all this money, about 80 percent of the money coming in on the Patriots. And so I think what's going to happen is you're going to you're going to see these books probably be forced to move it to three uh, at some point before kickoff. And so I would really recommend that if you if you don't see it now, just be patient and, and try to find that at three. And if not, if you really are feeling the Rams, check check the money line too before yeah, you lay your yeah. wages. Because you might be better. Again, only one Super Bowl has ever been decided by less than three. Obviously, small sample size, only fifty two of them. But still, I think you, you you might be better off just taking get better value taking the Rams on the money line there. Yeah, uh, I agree. That was exactly what I was going to say. If you like the Rams and the plus three doesn't come, look to the money line. I'm in this situation where I actually have Patriots futures to to win the Super Bowl. So I think I'm probably in a situation where I will, I think I will bet the Rams plus three and hope that the the Patriots win by one or two. And if I don't get the plus three, I think I'm probably sitting it out. Yeah, no, same here. I actually do have some Patriots futures as well. That's, I feel like you have to every year. And I think also the same applies to the over-under getting back to like waiting, because I think right now we're still seeing the over-under dropping. And Mm -hmm. I think that is sharp, but again, there's going to be a lot of recreational wagers placed on this game, you know, in droves leading up to the kickoff. And we know from experience that the public really tends to favor favorites and overs at, at, a, at a rate that's usually about three quarters toward, you know, toward the favorite and the over or more. And so what you're probably going to see is that over under is going to start to, uh, to creep back up. So I, I do think the under is a sharp play, but at this point, I think I would also do the same thing, wait until kickoff, hope that it ticks up another half point, point or so by that time, and then wait to the last minute to bet the under. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good idea. And, and that's, I mean, I grabbed it at 57 and a half, the under at 57 and a half. And, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if that's ultimately where it ended, if it did creep back up to 57 and a half, 58. Okay. I have another ad read. After that, we're going to talk with Chris about the slate from the DFS perspective and also get his favorite props but right now, it is my favorite time of the day. It's the time when I get to talk about how good I look in my Mac welding clothes. Uh, sure, it probably helps that I recently trimmed my beard and got a haircut for the first time in football season. But really, 95% of my undoubted attractiveness comes down to my Mac Weldon wardrobe. Let me tell you about Mac Weldon. Their mission is simple, to make sure that all your basics and beyond are smartly designed and that shopping for them is easy and convenient. And frankly, Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. And Chris, I mean, you always look good, but unless you were wearing Mack Weldon, I've clearly got you beat in this contest. I'm not a fan of shopping, but Mack Weldon has a really easy to use, streamlined, intuitive website to go along with the smart design and premium fabrics of their clothes. Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. I know that because right now I am wearing 100% Mack Weldon in this underwear. Let me tell you about Mack Weldon underwear. It has silver built into it, so it's naturally antimicrobial, which means that it eliminates odor, 
So, you know, you don't stink, which is, you know, a good thing. Uh, the underwear is so comfortable that if you don't like it, Mack Weldon will give you a refund, no questions asked, and you don't even have to return the underwear. These clothes are good for working out, going out, just everyday life. My personal favorite is the hoodie. It is my version of the power suit because I work from home, but really I love everything that I've gotten from the Mac. So what I'm saying is that you need to get yourself some Mac Weldon for 20% off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com and enter the promo code ACTION at checkout. Chris, let's talk some daily fantasy. Let's talk about the props that you are liking. Let's start with these quarterbacks, Brady and Goff. What do you think? I think you still got to go with Tom in the captain spot uh, on showdown because, you know, as much as I don't like the the matchups for for either of these quarterbacks or or really anybody, much anybody in this game, uh, you know, Tom has been there before. Um, He's a guy that because he gets the ball out so quick, you kind of count on, you know, some baseline of efficiency to be there. Whereas, um, you know, Goff, you, you don't know exactly what, what you're going to get. There's a lot more variables. We know Belichick is probably going to throw, throw, throw some things at him that he hasn't seen, as you mentioned. And, and I also think, you know, the Rams, Todd Gurley and, and CJ Anderson, they, they could be a, a huge factor on the ground. Whereas I think Tom Brady, either way, you know, even we've seen him put up big games, even with uh, Sony Michelle going off. So I think for me, it's Brady in the captain spot. And then I think you can go you can go a couple of different ways if you lock Brady in the captain spot. I think the 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 way I'm probably going in that scenario is I'm going Jared Goff because you still want the other quarterback, um, you know, still um, one of the highest projected players in the game. You got to have Gurley in there, and I want James White and Sony Michelle, and that leaves you have to punt the last spot. And, and I, what I would probably do, what I think I'm going to do, is go with James Devlin. We've seen him involved at the goal line, and that's all you're really looking for with these cheap guys. I think we talked about it last week with Josh Hill. He ended up getting hurt. So it really didn't quite work out. Gary Griffin though, we kind of saw what it could have been with Josh Hill. So I think you kind of do the same thing here with Devlin and uh, you punt it there. Um, I think there's one kind of other way you could go with lineup building though. You could go James White in the captain spot Mm -hmm. and um, that, that saves you a little dough. And then from there you could go Brady, Goff, Gurley, and, Everett and I think you know that's another line of construction that I think you know I don't hate it um uh, excuse me Michelle and Everett Michelle and Everett right, yeah, yeah. Right to the cat spot yeah Michelle and Everett um so yeah Brady Goff Gurley Michelle Everett and that kind of gives you a little more out of that last spot and I do think that with the way this game sets up that Gerald Everett is going to be involved so uh, I do kind of like that that one as well just because I think it gives you a little more upside there Devlin you're obviously you're really just hoping for a goal line vulture touchdown which is probably 25 percent chance or, or or even less than that um if you just look at um his season numbers so I think those are the two line of constructions you want to go do you have any kind of preference in terms of which way you would lean yeah I think I, I probably want to try to avoid Devlin and I, I say that <laughs> and he's gonna score like two touchdowns but right. uh, <laughs> you know I think I probably want to try to avoid Devlin because I think with the and I, t- I talked about this uh with Sean Corner on the last pod we did, uh, he has a, a a prop that he likes under Devlin's total yardage. With the return of Rex Burkhead, some of the the previous plays that might have gone to Devlin are now going to Burkhead. And so I'm just a little more hesitant on him. But I do understand the idea of wanting to get Brady in the captain spot. 
So I'm thinking if there's if there's another construction that you could come up with where you still get Brady in the captain spot, but you don't have to go all the way down to Devlin. But that's that's kind of hard to come up with. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's like oh, these showdown slates, like you'd actually be surprised how successful you can be kind of punting these last slots because a lot yeah. of times what you're really trying to do is just get these you're trying to get the quarterbacks and the running backs and now with this with this game it's kind of complicated because you have two running backs for the rams and you really have three for the patriots i mean rex burkhead you know he's a guy that you kind of want to get in there too and you really can't and, and you can't even really get anderson either so there it's it's kind of tough and that's kind of why i kind of came up with the, the white one as an alternative. And I think I, I think I actually might end up leaning that way a little bit only because I, you know, I don't think that this is like a, a monster Brady game necessarily. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a monster pass game. I, you know, I like the under, I think this will be a little bit more of a struggle than maybe we would think for a, you know, a Tom Brady offense and uh, and the Rams offense as well. So going white in the captain spot is fine. I think he'll be again, heavily involved because it's going to be tough on the outside. The Patriots really don't have the receivers to, uh, to, to contend with Tlaib and then uh, uh, Peter's kind of playing in his rightful spot is going to be tough for uh, a guy like Dorsett to, to, to win against. Consistently. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about some props. Uh, I've been writing a lot of prop pieces for the Super Bowl. Uh, as I mentioned last podcast, we had Sean Corner on to talk about his favorite player props. And Chris, I want to bring you in to the conversation mm-hmm. so we can get your favorite props for uh, Super Bowl 53 some player props, maybe some of the entertainment props. What is catching your eye right now? Well, I'll start off with one that um, Sony Michelle. He, there's a prop out there. His receptions, 0.5. So essentially, will he catch <laughs> yeah. pass right. or will he not? Now, yeah. uh, for the season, he has caught a pass in seven games. He has not caught a pass in eight games. But if you look at uh, – I've actually run the correlations on this and to try to find the, the, the most appropriate sample size for, for – for different uh, volume stats. And it turns out that for pretty much across the board, you're kind of looking at somewhere in that five to six game range in terms of what's most predictive. And over the last six games, Michelle has only been targeted once. And so I really like the under on that 0.5 receptions. Um, I'm seeing it at minus 140, but um, I'd actually go a little bit higher than that as well. I just, I just think that there's a really, there's not a, there's not a very strong chance that Michelle is going to get, uh, to get targeted. That's just not what he's been. Um, that's not what he's been asked for whatever reason this year, you know, Bur- especially now, you know, Burkhead's back and that kind of yes. coincides with Burkhead as well. Yeah, in. that's exactly what yeah. I was thinking. The, the return of Burkhead really saps the ability that uh, Michelle has to get those just kind of like vestigial random targets that, that, you know, like they're not really even thinking of like, oh, we need to target Michelle. It's just something that randomly happens during the game. Those aren't going to him anymore. Those are going to Burkhead. Absolutely. And so, you know, and just for comparison, you know, over those last six games, Michelle targeted once. <laughs> James Devlin's actually been targeted four times. <laughs> oh, and, and in three different painful. Games. If there was a problem, like who's more likely to catch a pass between Devlin or, or Michelle, I haven't seen that out there, but that's how it also go uh, um, Devlin. So, yeah, so that's one. And then another one kind of goes back to what we talked about before. I like Brandon Cooks under five and a half receptions. I just think when you look at what the Patriots have been able to do down the stretch against against receivers, especially against these kind of big play guys, you know, they got burned by Tyreek Hill earlier in the year. And then they also had some struggles uh, against uh, 
Corey Davis. And it just seems like when they went into that bye and they came out of it, they, they just weren't giving up that type of production to these playmakers anymore. I mean, you had Robbie Anderson. They faced him a couple of times. He catches two passes uh, on five targets for 22 yards in the first meeting in week 17 when he was a, a very popular uh, DFS play, catches three passes on eight targets for 24 yards. I mentioned Antonio Brown, four catches for 49 yards and a touchdown for him. You had Adam Thielen, only five catches, 28 yards and a touchdown. Juju, four catches below his average. I mean, um, Tyreek Hill, the one catch last week. Keenan Allen, the two catches the week before. Just a lot of guys, main playmakers for their team, have not been able to get a lot of volume. I, I don't like the yardage one as much because I think that there's always a chance that even on low volume, Cooks can make a big play and, and he's fast enough to run by somebody or, or there could be a blown coverage or something like that. But I think that with the Rams probably focusing a little bit on the run game and with the way Belichick is likely going to defend Cooks, I feel pretty confident that he's not going to catch uh, six balls. Okay. Any others that you have in mind right now? Yeah. So uh, an entertainment prop that I really like, and I've been talking about this on uh, I'll take that bet a couple of times, but there's a prop out there. Will Andre 3000 join big boy on stage for the halftime show? No is minus 400. Yes is plus 250. Uh, you got to wait a little bit for no, but I really think that's a strong no. Number one, Andre 3000, we, we're always wondering when is, in, when is more music coming out? The reason he's not really, he doesn't like to be in the limelight. He, he said as much in a, a GQ interview in 2017, actually he's, uh, described struggling with uh, social anxiety symptoms. And um, on top of that, you just have the whole kind of social issues and, you know, in the hip hop community and whatnot with, uh, you know, kind of the negative, negative reactions to, to, to artists like big boy and like Travis Scott, even accepting to do that, the halftime show in the first place. So I think, I don't, I don't think there's any way that Andre 3000 is like inserting himself into that mess. This is a guy who once turned down a Super Bowl halftime show because they, they wanted to cut uh, his song short because that's what they do at Super Bowls. They, they're not going to let you play the full like five minute song. And um, he literally refused to do a show, uh, a halftime show just because of that. So I think there's no way that he is going to uh, make a surprise appearance. Uh, I love it. I am taking notes and I am betting that <laughs> right after we get off of this podcast. All right, Chris, good show. It's, it's the end. I don't want to say it's the end of an era. It's just, it's the end of the season. You know, it's uh we got through it. Good. I mean, we had a we had a very interesting show here. I mean, you mentioned getting haircuts before me. <laughs> yes. What What are the odds that I would have mentioned getting a haircut before you? Yeah. I don't know, but nah, man, it's been good and uh, been loving talking to you all year. We're gonna keep doing the show, so oh, yeah. I mean, we're not oh, yeah. going anywhere. Um, it's just gonna be more focused, like you said. We'll do talk about futures and and we'll obviously recap the Super Bowl probably. But yeah, we'll talk about futures and all that good stuff. Get into more fantasy, best ball, and all that good stuff. All right, so uh, for the rest of this week, you have the slate breakdown coming out at Fantasy Labs. Any other pieces you're planning on putting out before the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, I'm going to have a bunch. I'm going to have one on uh, Aqib Tlaib and kind of his effect, a little more of what I talked about. I'm going to have one on the WTF rankings that I did last week. Going to have uh, one just breaking down all of my favorite props, so I'll put more in than just these three. And one on just how the Patriots have been scheming to take, like, not, not only one, because we've always known the Patriots to take one guy out of the game, but the fact that they've been able to take two guys out of the game yeah. multiple times down the stretch, I think is highly fascinating. So I'll have something on that as well. So look out for all those. 
All right, that is going to do it. For this episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast, please rate and review the show on iTunes. Subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe. For Chris Raybon, I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt of the Oracle. See you again next episode.